Welcome to the Financial Liberty Podcast. Until you wake up from the American dream, financial uncertainty will be your American reality. Join Sam Legaspi and Ko Sukamoto and their guests as they explore how you can attain financial liberty by uncovering truths that have been kept secret for decades. Have you ever played a game and didn't know the rules? How can you ever win? Learn the rules to the game and in turn, learn how to win. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Financial Liberty Project with Sam Legaspi and Ko Sukamoto. Hey, today we are going to do part two of their inaugural podcast, which is just basically the Getting to Know You podcast. And uh, the, on the first one, if you did not hear it, please go back and listen to it. It's all about how they started the Financial Liberty Project, kind of what the roots were, how they got involved together, uh, what brought them together, and why they're still together after all this time. It's a beautiful story. you got to go back and listen to it. And today is more of the personal questions. We're going to have a little bit of fun. And uh, before I start having fun, i got to bring in the other two gentlemen on here. Good morning. Good morning. good morning. All right, we got Sam and Coes. You guys good? It's a beautiful day and a beautiful story indeed. Nice. We I, are we are hard to trot. <laughs> fantastic. That's not exactly what I always thought that phrase meant, but we'll just move on. All right. <clears throat> so there's I've got some questions here. I've got a couple questions that, you know, hopefully will inspire some really good stories, but I'm going to start with a more serious question. And uh, that is, who is your hero? And either one of you can start. Uh, and if you say each other and try to move on, I'm just going to call BS and, and uh, make you do it again. So who's your hero? Who's your well, hero? Yeah. So, yeah. No, my hero is, uh, is actually my father. Nice. And you can probably wonder why. And so I'll go ahead and answer that. Uh, and, and this is pretty serious, but my dad, um, you know, he, uh, he had a pretty tough life as a, as a child, teenager, uh, went through some wars. Um, but he mm. was born in a part of Japan that is now part of Russia and it's the Sakhalin Island area. But, uh, really? you know, they, they, uh, they struggle with poverty and then they struggle with war and, um, he ended up being a prisoner of war in Russia. Wow. But, um, we used to sit around the dinner table, uh, growing up and, for hours, we would listen to his stories growing up in Japan and uh, not having anything. He, he um, I think he only got maybe like a third or fourth grade education, and mm. then he had to work the rest of his life. And uh, he made shoes out of plants um, and never made one for himself because they couldn't afford to keep a shoe for you know for themselves. And then they had the war um, where they were invaded, and uh, they had the war after World War II where um, no one knows, but uh, Japan actually had a conflict with Russia. And uh, and uh, he was taken prisoner. Um, he was forced to work in their camps, and um, uh, actually faced an execution squad, but was spared because of his abilities to operate very large machinery. And um, and so he was spared. But then he received a rumor or news, if you will, that they were going to move him to um, Siberia. And once you go to Siberia, you don't come back. So he. Planned an escape, failed, I think, two or three times, I think twice, and uh, was caught. And you know what they do if you're caught trying to escape. Survived that, then he succeeded on a third try and made his way back to Japan. Um, and, you know, half of his family was obliterated by that time. Uh, but he married off all his surviving sisters and emigrated to the U.S. and came to Fountain Valley here in Orange County and started farming and uh, saved money and and start a gardening business and uh, put two kids 
my sister and I through college, and he, um, he, he says, he always says he lived like a king, even though he worked as a gardener, um, you know, mowing lawns, but that's how he uh, succeeded and uh, kind of lived the American dream uh, in one of the best places in the world called Orange County. So he's my hero because of his tenacity and his, you know, his, his strong mindset in surviving very difficult uh, situations in life, and um, uh, he never complained, never, uh, you know, never gave up, just kept fighting and, and eventually lived a very good and long life. That is incredible. I mean, that is an amazing, amazing story. And good luck, Sam. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to beat right? that. Wow. I mean, seriously, that is, um, wow, that is absolutely amazing. And just the uh, the entire lifelong struggle, but also a lifelong victory, right? I mean, just looking back at, at everything that he was able to accomplish, uh, that, I mean, I'm touched. That, that is amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Sam, you're up, man. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, and I hear that that story from Coase quite a bit, and it's always brand new, even though I've heard it hundreds of times, maybe even thousands of times, And but it's always brand new, and it's always uh, like, wow, you know, that big W-O-W is, is it's pretty mm-hmm. amazing. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I like to kind of like give the props to both my parents, my mom and my dad, for separate reasons as, as far as my hero is concerned. And one of one of them is is kind of a life lesson that my mom gave me, even though she didn't have any intentions to give me this life lesson, but it really sat with me. And uh, to this very day, I don't know necessarily if she realizes how much um, a part of her life had a significant impact in my life, because it it actually is the fuel or the foundation, the fundamental that uh, has allowed me to put my left foot in front of my right foot for so many years. And uh, that's the fact that when my mom was, uh, you know, I was newly born in the Philippines. And in the Philippines, as you know, it's a third world country. They were not uh, one of the elite in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And, and so what had happened was that um, uh, my dad had left to go to the United States to pursue a life over here. However, my mom stayed behind with me. And um, so what happened was, unfortunately, there was a, a, an accident in their family where her dad, my grandfather, rode a, uh, a vehicle, a, a taxi-type vehicle in the Philippines. They got into an accident. And, um, uh, it, it was, it was a, it was such a bad accident that, um, I, if, if I recall one of his ribs pierced his lung oh, wow. and, um, and, and how it ha- what, what transpired from that was, uh, they brought him to the hospital and it was kind of like one of those good news, bad news scenarios mm-hmm. where the good news is that they could save him. The bad news is my parents or my mom's side of the family didn't have the money to save him. Oh, wow. And it was one of these scenarios in the Philippines where back in the day, you know, it's not like what you normally experience where they're going to go ahead and take care of you no matter how your financial status is over here in the United States, at least. But over there, it's it's one of those scenarios where if you don't have the money, it's they're they're not going to take out the tools for you. And so her as well as her um, six siblings just huddled around their their dad, my grandfather, and literally just watched him pass away. And uh, to this very date on July 4th, which was his birthday, they still celebrate his birthday. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's an opportunity for them to remind themselves uh, of that, that tragic situation. And each and every single brother and sister has now reached success. They're all here in the United States. They came from the Philippines. They came here one by one over the course of 30 years. And they have attained significant status, 
some more than others, but they've got a very successful life. And a lot of it stems from that situation of, um, of, of seeing their dad and, and understanding that it was a monetary situation yeah. that allowed their, their own father to pass away. So one of the things that my mom instilled in me growing up was, you know, ultimately, hey, you know, it was basically, hey, son, don't ever allow the lack of money rule your decision-making process. Because if you don't have any money, the decisions that, that, that come forth may not be sound decisions. And um, because she does remember doing and, you know, the entire family just reaching and begging for money, going to their neighbors and their relatives. And uh, it, it wasn't necessarily one of the, 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 the areas in, in their lives that they want to remember mm-hmm. uh, fondly. But they still remember it uh, every July 4th. And, uh, and they, they would probably say that, you know, contrast builds character and through that moment of contrast, their lives excelled. And as a result, um, I would have to say that my life excelled as well through that teaching. I mean, it was through tragedy came, it's kind of like the, the Phoenix, right? Through mm-hmm. chat, through, mm-hmm. through, what was the, through the, uh, through the, uh, through the ashes rises, um, you know, the Phoenix. Yes. So, so it, it's, it's interesting how that had still has a significant impact on what it is I do. Um, and it's something, it's a, it's an educational tool that I utilize still with my own kids. What about your dad? Ah, can't forget about him. Didn't I say something about him? Yeah. yeah. No, no. <laughs> well, when he came here from the Philippines, he had no idea what to do. He just was, he had a brand new kid, just like, well, he had me. And he came to the, he came to the United States from the Philippines and he went to San Francisco and he found a long distance relative to, to live with. And he just rented a room with a little money that he had. And here he is. He's an aeronautical engineer. Uh, he had a degree in the Philippines. He came over here and he started bussing tables. He found a job bussing tables and his very first paycheck. And I will never forget this. His very first paycheck that he received, he walked over to a Goodwill mm-hmm. and he bought a corduroy jacket with this, uh, with his very first paycheck, which when I heard the story the very first time, I was like, wait, hold on here. You have, the very first thing you bought with your paycheck was a jacket. In other words, you're right. There was no jacket that you had because in the Philippines, it's very humid and very warm. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a thick jacket for cold weather. So for two weeks, he was in the, he was in the United States just going to work, walking to work uh, you know, with, with, with just a, a, a T-shirt. And his very first paycheck was a jacket. And he still has that jacket to today. And it reminds him of where he was. And it's one of those scenarios that kind of, like, again, it, it resonates. And you look at where they are today and, and the life that they live today. Uh, you know, the, the, the contrast that they both experienced um, in, in their lives separately has allowed them to be where they're at, where they're at today and raise a successful family. You know, not just for themselves, but uh, my brother and myself, we, we, uh, we continue to keep putting our left foot in front of our right foot, trying to spread the news. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I have a picture that I keep on my desktop, and I actually have it as my phone screensaver as well, uh, of this massive blacksmith. And he's got the hammer poised and ready to come down on the anvil. And in his other hand, he's got the sword that's on the anvil that he's shaping. And I, I use that to remind me that I'm constantly being shaped. And through that pounding and through that painful shaping sometimes, uh, whether it be tragedy, whether it be uh, just life lessons like you guys have both spoken about, I never want the hammer to stop, right? I don't want it to be unpleasant necessarily, but if I'm not being refined, if I'm not being shaped, 
like your families were through tragedy, through hardship, through hard work, through everything that they all went through, there is no refinement process. There is no beauty at the end of that. And the beauty of the, at the end of that, to me, um, not to get too overly emotional or, or super weird, but that beauty is you two coming together and forming what you've formed because you've both risen from those ashes and that your family has, has helped catapult you. That's the word I'm looking for. They've both catapulted you to where you're at now, providing you that foundation uh, to be able to now help a ton of other people. So that's exciting to me. That's awesome. Thank you guys for sharing those. Well, absolutely. The other thing, if I can add, is sure. there's one thing about it that um, it's a, a statement that my dad made many, many, many years ago is that you need a positive ion and a negative ion to turn on a light. Mm. And that really resonated with me because a lot of people focus on, OK, well, we want positivity. We want happiness. And of course you do. You want to be positive. But you also have to understand to turn the light on. You also need some of the contrast. You need a positive and a negative ion to turn the light on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to take it in a different direction, a little bit more lighthearted. Uh, I appreciate those stories, but now we're going to get into something a little bit different. I want to know what is the one thing that you guys recommend to family and friends, and it can be anything. Nothing. Okie dokie. Moving on to the next question. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we don't recommend anything. Uh, no, anything. Restaurants, food choices, movies. Uh, you know, being for being with you know I've got an educational background and uh, it's kind of like when I'm coming up the street people recognize that the 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 information I'm going to be providing if I do recommend anything is just going to be um, advice or wisdom or maybe a saying and um, you know a lot of times uh, it, it's not necessarily wanted but you know for the most part I recommend to people that hey focus on being happy. That's really what it basically boils down to mm. because uh, once you focus on happiness, then what happens is that the universe just continues to keep giving you more of the same. It's like attract like. Mm-hmm. What about you, Coase? You know, this is going to probably uh, tie us back into the uh, the subject of money, but it's and it was mentioned before, I think, in the first segment. But um, I think the thing that um, people really kind of need to embrace and I'm going to get a little technical here, but it's the rule of 72. I mean, that's, I find myself offering that knowledge more and more to people, you know, every day that I meet people on the, on the streets uh, or wherever I am, you know, on a golf course, uh, in a classroom setting, but, um, mostly to the younger crowd. And, um, sometimes they'll actually ask me, so, you know, we understand what you do, but what's the thing that you can give me the most, What what piece of information should I take with me? Cause I probably won't ever see you again. Um, but you got one minute and mm-hmm. I always cover the rule of 72 if they're, you know, if I feel they're open to uh, listening to something like that. And what is um, it? But and so they're in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the rule of 72 is simply the, uh, the, the law, the law or the mathematical equation that tells you how quickly money can double given a interest rate. And so if you, uh, take that number 72 and divide it by an interest rate that you think you can earn consistently on your money, then that gives you the number of years it will take for that money to double. So from there, you know, a person can quickly extrapolate just in their mind while they're driving or doing anything in life, how quickly and how many times they can double their retirement nest egg over the course of their life. Hmm. Okay. And it's a very powerful tool. Uh, not that I want to, you know, spend another minute or two trying to explain how that works, but you can go back to our first segment. I think we talked about that in the first segment. All right. Yeah. Go back and listen to it. And if it's not there, then write us 
at uh, whatever address they want to give it to the end, and <laughs> we'll include it in the next one. All right, let's go on to the next question. I, I really, this is my favorite question. Tell us something that most people don't know about you. <laughs> you got me there. Come on, there's got to be something. Well, I, I would say that, um, you know, I used to, I used to have a passion for skiing and no one, no one that knows me, you know, recently understands that I had a big past in skiing. I raced for, uh, you know, the college that I attended. All I did was ski. I used to, <laughs> I used to go up and ski, not even know where I, you know, where I was going to stay, but that's how passionate I was about skiing. And, um, you know, that was just one of my, my, it was, it was the center of my life, but that was so many years ago. Are you talking snow skiing or water skiing? Snow skiing. Got it. Okay. All right. Interesting. Sam. Well. <laughs> You're not getting out of this uh, one. You know, uh, probably, and, and here's, here's why I, I'll probably have to say that a lot of people who know me, they, they, uh, probably with the exception of Coe's. Coz, I think, is the only one that probably knows this. And, he, and by me saying this, he'd probably say, what are you talking about? But um, I'm an avid reader. And uh, it doesn't come across that way. He, he's more of an avid breakdancer, wouldn't you say, Sam? Hmm. Oh, that's another one, too. Well, I don't break <laughs> anymore. Well, as a matter of fact, you know, because it depends on the, it depends on, on the uh, f- uh, festive moment, like a, if it's a wedding or a... Uh, a large Sam, gathering, and there's a DJ. Mm-hmm. Right. One thing I'll say about Sam is sometimes he's very modest, like at, at, at present. Mm-hmm. I've seen him break dance. He's incredibly talented. Really? And, Wait, you um, saw me break dance? When did you see me break dance? Remember when we when we uh, were working out over at uh, at the gym? And I said, oh. you break dance, prove it to me. So he got he got out <laughs> on the floor, and he started spinning, and he, and he does all these uh, magical things with his hands. Uh, <laughs> Just creating these geometric like uh, moves. I mean, it was really like it was, it was just like wow, you know. And kind of a guy in his later years being able to do stuff that I thought <laughs> only teenagers years. could do. Yeah, he's uh, old. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, I gotta tell you though, but I like you go, you go around Westminster and people go, "You know Sam? You know Sam? <laughs> he was a legend. We used to go to the mall not to go shopping, but to go watch just to watch dude. Sam. Yeah." <laughs> No, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I think I think uh, people they they probably have uh, have that that the fact that I'm I'm a reader instead. But no, I will tell you this though. I will tell you this is that the reason why I spun on my back um, at the at the gym is because there's not a floor. If it's glossy and it's slippery, there's this desire for me mm. to go ahead and go out there and spin on my back because I know I can get about twenty revolutions. <laughs> nice, nice. That's great. <laughs> So a breakdancing reader. Got it. Uh, a breakdancing reader. There you go. Yeah, it's an so interesting Sam, combo. Sam really is a great reader. He's turned me on to some books. Um, I mean, the latest one that he turned me on to was uh, Atlas Shrugged. You know, I saw the movie, but, mm. you know, I'm going to get the book. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's very well read and a um, very interesting person to talk to just, you know, in, in everyday conversations. Just got a wealth of knowledge of, of a lot of useful and very diverse subjects. So and unuseful information. Tell. You know, we yeah. call it codes. We call it uh, useful bar knowledge. Yeah, nice. That's the best knowledge there is. Hey, hey Coz, did, was <laughs> I'm sorry. Was that Rule Seventy Two? Is that what you called that? Yeah. Okay. So, so Rule Seventy Two. Rule yeah. Seventy Two. I think that's great, yeah. and I think that's a great thing to recommend to people. You know, to, to spark that that thought. Um, I really thought that you were going to be recommending Del Taco, 
Uh, that's that's the rumor I hear, uh, <laughs> is that is your biggest recommendation, but maybe I was wrong. Uh, what well, is the story behind Del Taco, well, and, couple, and how is you, are you involved with it? A couple stories there in Del Taco. So I was a really, really sadly skinny dude out of high school. <laughs> I was 5'9", and uh, I was like skin and bones, and I wouldn't even take my shirt off at the beach. And uh, I just knew that I had to eat to bulk up, and I couldn't do it. I just had such a high metabolism. And um, I got a job at Del Taco. My friend got me in there, and I thought, you know, this is a great opportunity working at a fast food restaurant. And I can eat burritos, Mm -hmm. which have a lot of calories. And um, I started eating lots of burritos, and I started bulking up. And so, um, you know, I was no longer that skinny um, dude on the beach. And so... Del Taco kind of, you know, transformed my my younger life. <laughs> and it's not even, it sounds a little, you know, kind of absurd, but uh, there was some truth to that. But um, anyway, uh, the second story of Del Taco is that, uh, now keep in mind, this is not me today, but this was me <laughs> many, many years ago. Got it. But we had the food fight of the century um, oh, at Del no. Taco. <laughs> where... Uh, there was, um, you know, and I think the owner probably is no longer with us anymore. So I don't think this can get me into trouble. But uh, they had, we had, we had the drive-through from the beach crowd coming in, you know, after their bonfires were uh, over with and the beaches were closed, and they would come down Beach Boulevard, and they all wanted to come into Del Taco. We had a line of cars going out to the main highway, mm-hmm. and um, we we got we got a reputation for this food fight that we had in the lobby or in, in the uh, dining area that was locked, but there, you couldn't even see through the windows. There was so much food all over everything. But, uh, you know, I, I really don't want to brand myself as, uh, as that kind of a troublemaker, but uh, we had the food fight of the century, and um, the owner never found out. We had the place all cleaned up, and um, that was, uh, if there's one thing you just do wrong in life, that was my wrong, one wrong thing, is getting involved in a food fight. Uh, a fast food restaurant. Yeah, and I got to tell you, when I heard that story, my jaw dropped because I've known Coe's for a long time, and I'm like, whoa, that is pretty. The trajectory as far as a food fight's concerned is something that is like, OMG, at, a, at an establishment like Del Taco. But the moral of the story here, if there is a moral to the story, is that if you are a bodybuilder or a skinny person and you want to bulk up, you eat burritos. Mm, yeah. And it, yeah. <laughs> well, here's the caveat, though. It works, but it keeps working. <laughs> so <laughs> when you get to never stops where you want to get to, you it keeps going. Even if you stop eating that, mm. you know that burrito diet, your body is now acclimated to having that stuff, and it just keeps absorbing it. So, you uh, know, we're gonna call that the Kosukamoto burrito diet because you know John McEnroe ate the Big Mac diet, so mm. he had Big Macs, and it was the Big Mac diet. Just eat like five, six, seven Big Macs a day. That was John McEnroe's. So yours is the Del Taco burrito diet. Wow. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I think we're I think we're safe with this podcast. I don't know what the statute of limitations is in California on a burrito bash, but that's uh, something maybe we should look up before we release this one, just to keep you safe. Yeah. I like that burrito bash. Yeah, well, you know, you can, you can trademark that if you'd like. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to use it. All right, next question. Uh, so... When you guys are struggling to maintain focus, I mean, life pulls us in a ton of different directions. You're having a burrito bash one day, you're, you know, <laughs> breakdancing at the mall the next. Uh, when you can't focus or you're having a hard time, what is your motto, mantra, or something that you say to yourself 
or do that'll help keep you on track? You well, just I keep going. Yeah, that's another one, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I, I sat here, thought about it for a few seconds, but really it's, it's so simple. We don't need to complicate it. You don't give up. You just, you just pick up. There's distractions every second of the day. There's so many things that want to pull us off of our track. And you know, Sam and I have spent, I would say, thousands of hours talking about this very subject. We've been conditioned to, uh, you know, to, to learn how to handle adversity. Um, it comes, us, comes at us in so many different ways, times, but it's constant, daily, hourly, minute. You know, every minute we're getting challenged by distractions. And, um, and, and, and along with that come a lot of emotions. You know, you, you get happy, you get sad, you get angry. I mean, there's so many things that can derail you just constantly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think the key is, how do you handle that? I think that um, you have to embrace, like, like Sam said earlier on, you need to have the, the negative ion, right? Another way to look at that is you have to be able to, to embrace conflict. You have to be able to embrace the negativity that tries to invade your life and not, not, not let it remain a negative. You know, to take that negative and say, you know what? It, there's a reason it's happening to me. Either right. I brought it on or maybe there's a greater force that's, you know, putting that into my life for a, a, you know, a probable purpose, as little sense as it may make at the time. But if you can uh, just embrace the negativity and say, this is actually going to serve me in some manner that I can't explain now, but maybe years down the road, I'll be able to look at it and, and say, you know, that was probably one of the best things that actually happened to me, even mm. though it was very, very difficult to experience at the time. But usually there's something to learn. And so um, that's my takeaway is just um, is learning to embrace conflict and, and actually invite it as, as a welcome guest in your home, in your life, and to survive it and, and then to be able to look upon it in the future and saying that was a great experience. <laughs> I probably learned, I think you learn more from conflict than you do from anything else. Mm-hmm. Really to kind of summarize that, it was an old saying that uh, I heard several years ago that uh, a lot of times when, when, uh, when things, you know, you're kind of thrown off track, you know, I'm reminded of a statement that says you can't climb a mountain if it's got smooth sides. Mm. And it's something that uh, a lot of times, you know, again, it's, you know, we, we talk, we're in front of so many people and we talk about things that, uh, you know, such as waking up and not having to worry about money. And it's it's a, such a powerful statement in my mind because uh, just like anyone else, we're we're oftentimes going to be thrown off our choo-choo train tracks, and it's just a function of recognizing that you're off your tracks. Because if you don't know if you're off your tracks, how can you get back on your tracks? Yeah. So, um, um, but but you know, we 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 do mention it. And you're going to start. Oh, well, not start, but you you hear things such as what Coe's indicated. Embrace. Uh, these challenges embrace contrast just that statement i just made you can't climb a mountain if it's got smooth sides um but you know for the most part um it's not necessarily always that either it's what i tell my kids it's what i tell everybody that i run into and what you had indicated as far as my advice to other people is really just focus on happiness focus on good thoughts focus on good feelings yeah mm-hmm. uh, because you could say you know, the words, they, they could be great. Oh, I'm having a great day. But unless you actually feel that you're having a great day, those are just words. It's yeah. all about the feeling because I, I do believe that, that um, you know, we all are part of an active vibration, that there is a universe out there in this active vibration. Uh, we're all made up of magnets. And, and if we are, are, if, if we are a, a uh, what I liken it to is a radio station. 
Um, if we're driving in a car and you don't like a song, you don't turn up the volume. And so, you know, what we try to do is we try to be that song that people like to listen to where you can turn up the volume and, and that, that vibration happens to be happy vibrations, uh, fun thoughts and, and, and good feelings. So, uh, these are the things that, that we try to focus on, not just, you know, you know, to people that, that are within our families and stuff, but to our kids and, and something that we remind ourselves. And I remind myself on a regular basis is, is, uh, try to focus on happy thoughts on a regular basis, anything that makes me feel good. That's, that's my one focus to myself is that the, 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 the promise I make to myself on a regular basis is to focus on things that make me feel good. Not necessarily say the words, I feel great, but actually do the things that I can possibly do to make myself feel great. Whether it's, uh, uh, reaching for great moments or looking at Lightroom on my computer and, and shuffling through years and years of, of photos of my kids growing up, anything that can allow me to attach myself to happy thoughts because happy thoughts, just again, like attracts like, and happy thoughts will continue to keep attracting happy thoughts and happy things. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, guys, we, I've had a, lot, a ton of fun, uh, but we are running out of time. So I'm going to want to ask you one last question. Who should be listening to this podcast? Um, who's your target audience with this? Everyone's going in a certain direction. And typically that direction is not the, the path you want to follow because that's the path that the system wants you to follow. And it's something, again, like, you know, MacArthur, he said years and years and years ago, you are remembered by the rules you break. And, um, you know, oftentimes that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to we're trying to help individuals not necessarily break the rules, but refine you know, re, just remember or, or reestablish and, re, and, and regain the rules because rules never left. It's just that you just, you know, we've, been, we've never been taught the rules. Or we've been taught the rules incorrectly by media, by, by advertisers, by all the other things that are influencing our decisions. And we need to know the, what the rules are for ourselves. Absolutely. Like my kid, my kid asked me um, the other day, uh, you know, why... Um, it was about Pearl Harbor and, um, and he said, this is what happened. And, and, uh, he goes, who, who wrote that history? And I told him that, you know, the, the, uh, the winners of the war always write the history. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is, is the, the history when it comes to retirement is the established, the establishment typically writes the rules on how they want the game to be played. And so Coz and I, we've been the anti-establishment, the anti-retirement conveyors. But yeah, I mean, you know, based on what you're saying, who should be listening to this is really, the individual that wants to uh, that wants to hear something a little bit different and not the rah rah, the cheerleading. Hey, just go ahead and put money away and <laughs> and uh, you know contribute to. You. I mean, you know, it's 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 the individual that's you know 45, 50, 55 years old, and they think they they're down, they're out of luck, and they have no more time. And and maybe even the individuals that are 20 years old, 25 years old, it doesn't matter. It's just the the. It's not really an underdog show because, you know, we're not focusing on the underdog. We're focusing on basically everybody. But, you know, to a degree, it's kind of like you think about it. It's the individual that really just wants to, they're fed up and they just want to go ahead and make things happen for themselves and live a happy, happily ever, you know, life afterwards, you know. Yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. Um, So, yeah, and I'm just going to wrap it up if that's okay with you guys because we are about out of time. Okay. All right. So thank you, everyone, for joining us today at the Financial Liberty Project podcast with Samuel Gatsby and Ko Sukamoto. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Sam and Coase come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And if you know them as well as you probably do, you're going to know that they're going to hear 
Sam and Co's version of how this should go and what the rules truly are for you individually, uh, because it's out of the box thinking. It's a lot of fun and you're going to enjoy it. So please share it with them as well. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at the Financial Liberty Project, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. It's that time again where the call of the open road makes its way. We hope good fortune finds you on your own personal road. And until next time, we thank you for listening to the Financial Liberty Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available.